Hello and welcome to um, a pretty extraordinary episode of The Hooligan Report. Uh, to quote um, a man in Australian sport, I'm shocked to be sitting here, but sure enough, Leicester are Premier League champions and I have with me the two Leicester City supporters on Dig Footy who have been th- uh, through thick and thin with the side all season, ups- the ups and downs. Uh, so welcome both Jats and Friar Tuck. Hey, hey. Uh, hi guys, how are you all? <laughs> um, well, the obvious question has to be asked, how does it feel? I mean, the title's secure now. Um, when did you guys really start to believe that it was going to happen, and, and how does it feel now that it has happened? I'll, I'll start with Jats. Uh, it didn't feel like it was going to happen for me until that Hazard goal went in, to be honest. <laughs> I um, haven't felt a secure in the week. I, I'd seen the United, uh, or oh, our game with United, and saw it 1-1, and uh, it was pretty confident that um, Chelsea, I mean, Tottenham hadn't won at uh, Stamford Bridge in 26 years or something stupid, so um, I was pretty confident that they'd be able to do the job. But I woke up at about 6 on uh, Tuesday morning, and they were 2-0 down. And it, uh, I've got to be honest, I was starting to sweat a little bit because the longer it went on, the more it seemed like it might come back to haunt us a little bit. But, uh, yeah, having sat there and watched the second half, it was it was brilliant to watch. Never been more a Chelsea supporter in my life. <laughs> Must have been a strange feeling. <laughs> um, Friartark, Very how strange. <laughs> Friartark, how did you find it? And, uh, and the same question, when did you start to truly believe? Andy King's goal at West Ham last year <laughs> when we were fighting relegation. <laughs> now, I, now, I just... Uh, I think it's when it really started to set in was the Man City game. That's where I yeah. felt like... we. That's when I felt, yes, we have arrived, and it is genuine. It is for real. I, I'll admit I had a few suspicions about the cha- a few shades of the championship season going on there, but uh, the City game was where it really, really settled in. I unlike Jets, I didn't. Well, no, he watched the highlights. Um, I I kind of wanted to sleep on it. I couldn't bear. I couldn't bear to watch that game, and probably a good decision because if I saw Tottenham going up two nil, that <laughs> that would have put a damper on my day. So I think I made a pretty good decision there. But uh, it it, it it has hit me pretty hard. Just uh, just letting it all sink in now. To be honest. Yeah, I woke up at about 6am planning to um, planning to watch the Spurs-Chelsea game, but when I woke up, same as you, Jets, I saw that it was 2-0 and, and promptly rolled over and went back to sleep, thinking it was um, going to go another game. But um, I think I woke up just about five minutes before full-time and, and a mate told me it was 2-2, so I, I pulled up um, the coverage so I could actually watch the final whistle. And oh, we'll talk about it a bit later, but the... the, the the way that the Spurs players carried themselves in that game was very... Um, it put a dampener on, on, on the game, I suspect, in in a lot of ways, just with the way that they sort of petulantly caved in. But I, I want to focus on Leicester, at least to start with. Um, I wanted to get from each of you... And we'll talk more about Leicester in, in the bonus feature that we'll record after this for everyone to listen for that. But um, I wanted to get from each of you who your player of the season was and who you thought had the most impact on, on this title success. Um, I'll start with Friar Tuck. Well, it's a team effort, all 11. All, not just 11, the whole team, <laughs> surely. <laughs> but no, But if I had to pick one, ooh, Jesus, um, I'd, have to, I'd probably would have to say Vardy initially, the, the 11 the 11-goal run initially. That's, that's, where it, that's where it all seemed to 
seems to raise the spirits of the place, if you know what I mean. I mean, it was yeah. just a it was just a spectacular run in itself, and uh, well, players were thriving off that confidence, and well, it, it just kept rolling on, you know. So that's where I feel that uh, if I had to pinpoint it, I would say that's where it is. So I'd say Vardy takes my pick there. Jets. It was a funny season like that because uh, with Vardy's run, I mean, we were quite attacking in the early part of the season, but then in the last kind of two or three months, it was all in the back of defence. So, uh, yeah, my players in goal, I think he's an absolute beast. He, uh, he just he covers that whole back four and he, he gets to balls that you just can't imagine he would possibly get to. Even when I was watching with my QPR mate on Sunday night, he was just in awe of kind of the work rate and the ability of him. Um, especially when you consider what we paid for him and where he came from. It's just he's had such an incredible season uh, and he, he hasn't always had the um, the accolades that Maris and Vardy have got, but I reckon he's been absolutely vital to, to what they've been able to do. So I'm going to go with him. It was funny. I w- I've started to listen back to old podcasts to kind of piece together a bit of a montage of Leicester discussion. And I think it was the 3-2 win over Aston Villa. And I could be wrong in, in how I interpreted the discussion, but I have a feeling Kante came off the bench in that game at half-time. And everyone sort of looks at Mares being shifted to central midfield in that game to sort of bring you back from that 2-0 deficit. But, you know, looking back in hindsight now, Kante and his impact on your team, as you say, has just been immeasurable. And in a lot of ways, he's quite an unsung figure. I think he's starting to get that recognition now, but because he doesn't score the goals or get the assists, he kind of doesn't get you know as much of the limelight as the Vardy or the Mares will get in the side. So, um, no, that's that's a great shout. And do you guys uh, see him leaving over the summer, or do, are you confident that you'll keep keep hold of all of your players? Oh, I'm a little bit worried. With, well, I'm um, okay with most of them. I think Kante's the most likely. Um, I th- yeah, I just think with I, I was thinking PSG more than a, a team in the Premier League, but um, I think. I mean, I know we've been linked to... I've been pretty excited on the board, but we've been linked to Carvalho, and he would be a good purchase. I do think it would be much harder to replace Kante, though, than it would uh, Avadi or Amares, because those defensive midfielders, they just... They're, yeah, they don't come around that often, especially with what he's been able to do this season. So he would be the big worry for me. Uh, what's your opinion, Freitag? Well, it's been known that Kante has a known release clause, and... Of course, that's going to make the clubs, well, very well. they know what to aim for, so they'll make their offers and all that. But I personally think he will definitely stay over the summer, at least up until January, and then well, we'll see how we go from there. I think the key thing that he probably wants is to try to prove himself on the big stage for the club that he, or for the club that he helped deliver to, a, uh, to, to the title. So uh, there's a lot of excitement and buzz about it, and... Uh, I think it would be a great opportunity for them. So I can see him staying definitely. Great. Well, uh, we'll, we'll continue the Leicester discussion on the um, extra segment, but we'll go on now to reviewing um, the games, and we'll start with Leicester in that game against United. Um, obviously, Martial scored after, I think, was it 10 minutes or so, um, which was the first time this season I think you've conceded a goal so early, or I think it's a stat similar to that. Um, but then obviously Morgan equalised about 10 minutes later. Um, how did you guys see this game and did you, I mean, it sort of, as the game went on, felt like it was going to be a draw, um, but did you, did you guys still think that there was that chance that you'd, you'd nick a late winner? Um, I'll start with Friar Tuck. 
Well, to be honest, uh, United were really on the ball in that in that first fifteen minutes. We could have easily been two or three down by that by that point. They were they were just on it. Uh, Kasper Schmeichel made a few good save. Made a very, if I recall, if I recall the save correctly, just was coming very low, and he made a fantastic save there. We could have easily been down by that point, but uh, after Morgan equalised, it, it seemed to be in the balance, but. After the second half, I felt like we had more attacking chances and any one of those chances, we should have really converted one of them. I felt like it was there for the taking, but I think a draw was a fair result for the game. Yeah, pretty similar. I think um, I, I kind of mentioned to my mate when we watched the first 10 minutes, we looked really nervous. And I think that probably, I mean, it was understandable with what was on the line. But that first 10 minutes, we looked um, not poor per se, but uh, very nervous. I think the defence was uh, a little bit all over the shop, and you can see it in the goal. The Danny Simpson kind of got drawn into the middle. Amaris didn't track back quite enough, and uh, it just left Martial completely open, which is it was very unlike us all this season. So it was a little bit of a surprise to see, but I felt as the game kind of went longer, um, we definitely worked out. It was great to get the the goal back straight away. Um, I think that was really important because it, it kind of meant that we didn't feel pressured as the game went on to try and push too far forward. Um, so getting the goal back pretty quickly allowed us to go back to, or well, it kind of let us reset as though the start of the game was happening again. Um, it's an interesting one. I think we, we did have some good chances in the second half, and I actually feel if Vardy had played, we'd probably win that game. Um, but I guess it's all academic now uh, that we've won the title anyway. So um, <laughs> it, it was nerve-wracking as a supporter, I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, you did seem to have a few decent chances late in the game when it became a bit more stretched because obviously a draw was almost the worst result for both sides because United really needed to push for that win to um, keep their top four hopes alive, um, which probably are still alive because of that City loss. But um, the, yeah, the game was getting quite stretched, so there was a few decent counter-attacking opportunities. And, and as you say, a bit of pace from Vardy may well have um, seen you bag the winner. Um Obviously, your title contenders, Spurs, drew 2-2 with Chelsea. Uh, and we touched on just before, the, the the nature of the game was a bit disappointing, I have to say, from Spurs. But in particular, I mean, Chelsea arguably as well. Um, d- does watching that sort of game, does it make you feel a bit um, unsettled, I suppose? I, I, don't, I don't know what the word quite is for... Spurs kind of going out there and playing the way they did and sort of capitulating the way they did to, to hand you the title, so to speak. Um, Jats? Uh, well, to be honest, I was completely loving it. Um, <laughs> especially with that Hazard goal went in. You, you could kind of see them switch off. So I think, um, I mean, there was still time left after the Hazard goal went in, but you could just see that they were kind of mentally defeated a little bit. And then some of the challenges that were flying yeah. in were, I mean, reckless is a pretty good word for it, but some of them were even worse than that. So... Um, uh, there were some very, very average kind of decisions made in that game. Uh, I'm amazed that Spurs ended up with 11 on the pitch at the end of it, to be honest. There were was it, quite was a few things. Eight or nine yellow cards for them? So, yellow, eight or nine, nine for nine different nine. players? Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. it was hard to believe that they ended up with 11 on the pitch, but you could just, or I could just tell that, um, that when that second goal went in for Chelsea, you could just see their heads drop a bit. Kane tried to pick them up a little bit, but... The rest of them just kind of dropped their heads a little bit and they got kind of caught up in, I guess, the emotion of um, losing the title. Not that they were kind of expected to win from there, but dropping the points in the fashion that they did, um, it seemed to really show in some of those late tackles. How did you see it, Friar Tuck? 
Well, there was definitely definitely a lot of definitely a lot of emotions going into that one day. It seemed it seemed a bit des it seemed a bit desperate from Tottenham at times. I felt um, they, they got the goal goals ahead, but I, 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 the only explanation I could really give for it is the, the blokes are young. They're a bit they haven't really experienced experienced something like this. But uh, as as I noted earlier, I think it's good I think it's good for them to experience something like this. It gives Pochettino something to work with in any in future seasons. That's what I feel. But uh, no, that's it. that didn't. This was a different Tottenham from what we saw in previous weeks, in my opinion. It just, I, I don't think I was even looking at the same team, to be honest. So just, just on on that, just, do, just do you, around yeah, do you, do you think Spurs will back up and challenge for the title again next season, or on the way that they've played this season? I don't see any reason why they can't. They have got they've yeah. got they've got a very nicely set team, very young team, all 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 very all very hungry, all very hungry. I think they've got I mean with all the new managers coming in and all and the bigger teams apparently going to get themselves up. I don't see why they can't fight for top 4, maybe even more. They've they've got a lot they've got a lot of good going on for them. They're not they're not going to be content with just fifth or fifth or even fourth. They I, I think they can genuinely take it up to them, and well, as we've seen this season, anything goes. If they can convert those draws to wins, well, then who knows what could happen. Well, sides at the other end of the table who'll be looking for a bit of um, luck going their way and a bit of fortune going their way. We've got Newcastle, Sunderland, and Norwich all played. Uh, Norwich losing one nil to Arsenal, Sunderland drawing one one with Stoke with a last minute penalty to Defoe, and Newcastle with that. Wonderful free kick, kick, free kick from Townsend, and then the penalty save against Crystal Palace for that one nil win. Um, so a mixed bag of results for the three sides facing relegation. Um, Newcastle are almost in the box seat now to to stay up. I, I'd say. Uh, how do you guys see this? Who, who do you guys see staying up? Uh, start with Jats. Uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think uh, it was a great set of results on the weekend in that it kind of kept it really tight. So I think Newcastle were a couple of points behind in the last round we were kind of talking, and then um, that win's kind of put them it's put them just above Sunderland, but uh, obviously Sunderland, they've got the game in hand. I think um, I, I fear for Norwich. I, I said it last week on the podcast, and I, I still, I mean, they, they haven't scored again. I think their attacking, their lack of attacking is really going to do them in. Um, Sunderland, oh, that penalty is another kind of jammy result that you expect from Sunderland yeah. at this end of the season. Um, who have they got next week? They've got Sunderland. I think they've got they Chelsea home, home and Chelsea. Everton at home. So they've not... got Everton. Yeah. Chelsea and Everton, they're not easy games. Even though they're both at home, which you would kind of prefer, they're not easy games. So um, Newcastle's got Villa. They need three points from that. If they can get three points from Villa and Sunderland's falter a little bit in those two games, you would say Newcastle. How do you see it, Freitag? That was a ver- that was a very good result from Newcastle. Very a very good response, especially what they needed in this situation. But uh, well, of course, Sunderland Norwich still have a game. Sunderland Norwich still have a game to play. But uh, no, that's 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 very that's that's very important for them. I think. I think with Benitez at the at the helm, I think they've got. I think they should have enough to see for. I mean, they played Villa next to, well, unless of course they want to cause some chaos. They did all right in the previous game, but uh, no, I think 
I think they'll I think they'll do I think they'll do Villa and I think they do have a point to prove against Tottenham as well. So well we'll see well we'll see how they go, but I think I think they should be safe. I I mean I think I think they'll stay up. Um and then back at the top of the table, City dropped points again. Um, away from home, to, this time to Southampton. And I think the record is that they haven't won a single game against a top-eight opponent away from home this season, which must be absolutely uh, frustrating for City fans to watch. Um, and it was a surprising result, in a way, because I would have thought City fans, or well, City as a club, would be focusing on finishing top four. Um, but they rested Aguero, obviously, for the Champions League, but I would have thought they'd show um, a bit more ambition and a bit more um, desire to win that game. Um, can't take too much away from Southampton, though, because they obviously played quite well, and, and Sadio Mane with his second hat-trick in English football obviously looking quite impressive. Um, did you guys see this more as a success from Southampton or a failure from Man City? Um, I'll start with Friar Tuck. I think, I think you could probably argue both ways, but I think Southampton, Southampton do have some... Well, in the unlikeliest of situations, I think... I don't. Uh, mm, to, I don't know. Uh, I'll probably lean more towards a city failure from that one. I mean, South, Southampton. Southampton are close to the top. Are close to the top four, but I think. I think maybe they're trying to secure a Europa position, fifth, sixth, and seventh at the moment. So. I, I think they probably had one eye on the Champions League as well, but. No, it was a very disappointing performance from them. A very excellent performance from Southampton, especially Mane with that hat trick. That was that was very that was very nice. But yeah, I think it's very disappointing from City. In all honesty, how did you see it, Jats? It's quite indicative of uh, the way City are finishing off the season, isn't it? I think they would um they should be really disappointed, to be honest. I, I don't see the problem with resting uh, Guerrero in that per se with the big game midweek. Uh, and let's be honest, it is a big game. So far, since the Sheikh's taken over, they've struggled in Europe. So to get to a semi-final, um, it, it's massive. So I don't see a problem with resting the players per se. But then when you look at the performance they put out at Madrid this morning, well, then you start to look at it and go, well, maybe you shouldn't have bothered resting players and you should have just focused on that top four spot because... Now you're not in the final and you're not kind of a guaranteed chance to go straight through. And now you've got kind of United right up your um, clacker. I don't know. It's it's a bit of a tough one. Take nothing away from Southampton, of course. They're, I, I was really pleased to say that, to be honest, because I know in recent times, we saw it a lot with our run in last season. Um, and it's happened a bit this season as well, um, where teams that have not much to play for at the end of the season are just not turning up at all. But credits to Southampton, they, um, I mean, they they saw that City were right for the picking, and they completely tore them apart. Mane was brilliant. Um, it's the kind of performance that puts you on the, the kind of horizon of, of some bigger clubs there. So, uh, yeah, really good performance from Southampton. But it's yeah, it's really indicative of the way City are stumbling to the end of the season. I think maybe Leicester will have a um, have a sniff at Mane. Um, as a as a Champions League player, um, obviously Swan- Swansea as well were were a, a good winner over Liverpool. When you talk about those sides um, who don't have a whole lot to play for, so Sw- Swansea were another impressive result against Liverpool. Um, the, although of course Liverpool did rest quite a few players, um, so there were a few interesting results. And obviously Watford, as as we were touching on before, that 
Fantastic 3-2 late win over um, Aston Villa. I think Deeney, I think I saw the stat that Deeney was the first player in in quite a while to score two goals in stoppage time. Um, and and whoever who was it who scored their free kick in that game? I think it was their first ever free kick in the Premier League. So um, which is pretty amazing when you consider they've had they've had a few seasons in the Premier League. So um, a few records being broken there for Watford. Um, we'll, we'll look ahead now to the previews for the coming fixtures, and it's a bit of a packed uh, fixture list because we've got some double games coming up. So we'll try and um, get through all of these. Um, we've got the Norwich-Man United game as the early game, um, followed by Aston Villa-Newcastle. So probably look at those two games as a set because I think there's a lot riding on that in the relegation battle. Um, so I'll start with Jats. How do you see those results going? Oh, they're vital, aren't they? It's, um, I wonder whether Newcastle will kind of look at the score of the Norwich game knowing this earlier. I think uh, Norwich, I don't see Norwich winning. Uh, again, I don't I don't like their attack. Uh, and United are pretty good defensively. Um, and if Newcastle can pick up three points, I reckon that just about uh, seals Norwich going down, I think. And for attack? It's been funny because Norwich actually were one of the better attacking teams last season. I, I think didn't Norwich also cause some problems for United? I think they were one nil up at. I think I think they were one nil up at half at Old Trafford. I think they still. I, I think considering the circumstances, I think they could be. I, I think they could still be a, a surprise packet. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get the draw or maybe perhaps even the win. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But then again, United are also fighting as well. But. I think it could be a very jammy game, that Norwich game. Uh, Newcastle-Villa. Villa might have some fight in them, but I think Newcastle have, Newcastle have a lot more drive to them, so I think Newcastle should do it there. And then the other big relegation game uh, at the same time as Newcastle-Villa is Sunderland up against Chelsea um, at midnight as well. Um Jeez, I mean, as you say, if Norwich can get points against United, it really puts pressure on Newcastle and also Sunderland to get something from their games uh, just to kind of keep that pace up. Um, Chelsea sort of, (laughs) in a way, it was sort of playing their grand final last week against Spurs. Um, They'd kind of looked a bit on the beach um, in a few of their games lately where they've played a few of the youngsters and not really looked too bothered. And and obviously they turned up to play against, against Spurs. Um, I guess the worry from a Newcastle or even a Norwich perspective is that they um, they sort of, you know, they lose their focus now that they've played Spurs and that's out of the way and, and, and drop points to Sunderland. Um, it's at the Stadium of Light, so that also plays into Sunderland's hands. Um, Friar Tuck, how do you see this one? I think, well, Sunderland's just a jammy team. I've... I think they'll again. I think they'll put up a good fight. Chelsea. Chelsea was a bit of a weird one. I didn't think they were. If I saw the game, I didn't think they would have been coming back from two 0 down. But well, they tried. They huffed and puffed, and they uh, got the results. Uh, it's a bit hard to see where Chelsea's mindset is exactly for this game, to be honest. And I just think Sunderland just have a lot more to play for. And it's not the first time Sunderland has gotten results from Chelsea, you know. So <laughs> I think Sunderland. I think it's a draw, possibly a win. Jets? For Sunderland, that is. <laughs> yeah, it all depends which Chelsea turns up, isn't it? Um, if it's a Chelsea of last week, then I would say Chelsea should get something from it. If it's a Chelsea that we've seen against, um, I don't even know who they've lost to recently, but if it's one of those Chelsea sides that turn up, 
Uh, I could see Sunderland nicking something there. I don't think it'll be a particularly high-scoring one. Um, yeah, maybe a draw. I might go 1-1. Yeah, I, I suspect it's going to be a draw. I mean, um, it's kind of got a draw written all over it. As you say, it don't, doesn't seem like it'll be too high-scoring. I don't think Allardyce will let it open up too much. So, um, yeah, it could be another jammy result for Sunderland in that one. Um, the big game of the night, though, is the late game where... Uh, is it the trophy will actually be presented because it's at home for you guys? Is that is that how it works? The regulation sure is. is the last home game of the season. Yeah. And yes, this is the one. Given the way that you played following your championship title, because um, I suspect there were a few boys out on the bubbly the night before or during that week, um, do you think you'll go out and actually beat Everton? Or, or do you not really think there'll be much focus on that result. Do you think the players might try and reward the fans for the season and celebrate the season or or just sort of go out there and have a bit of fun? Um, I'll start with Jats. I suspect we'll take it very seriously. Um, I know we got smacked by Brighton like 4-0 or something in the championship, yeah. but I think with this one, we've got uh, A. Ranieri. Ranieri will kind of keep him... A little bit focused. So obviously they'll party pretty hard this week, and, and so they should. But I think Ranieri will keep them with their heads in the game. But I also think with the whole world watching, they want to, um, especially with the last home game of the season, uh, last year's or last season's last home game, we smacked um, QPR four or five nil. Um, and I would expect that, and I would hope, especially since we're lifting the trophy after it, that we've got our heads switched on, uh, and that we really push for the win. It would be a great way to finish off a, a magnificent season. We'll lose 4-1, Lukaku will get a hat-trick and we'll sign him for next season. That's what's going to happen. But no, no, really, really, what Jack said, Ranieri's going to get them focused for this one. This is the trophy presentation. You've got to to show the fans and the world why you're the champions. You've got to make a good performance. I mean, it's it's going to leave a very sour note if you're... If you just turn up hungover and all that, that's, that's just simply unacceptable. And with the way Ranieri runs this, with the way Ranieri runs this ship, I I expect no less than a win. And uh, with that defence and Vardy back, I there uh, I'd say the cliche: Jamie Vardy's going to have a party, I think, <laughs> and uh, he's going to celebrate it in style. I think I think this possibly could be. His first, his first hat trick. His first hat trick in the Premier League. Honestly, do you reckon he'll uh, celebrate with a few wickets after the game? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Uh, well, one thing I'm curious to. Oh, sorry. No, you go. No. Um. What I am curious to see is well. I, Actually, now that I think about it, Andy King's also pl- Andy King's going to be playing in the centre midfield, surely. So, I really want him. To, I really want him to get a goal in that game as well. That would be just that would be absolutely fantastic. Sort of sort of bookends it, doesn't that it? Goal. It would sort of bookend it because he oh, scored. The oh, goal. definitely. You know, I think we were talking last week that he scored that winning goal against um, West Ham. So to score the um, a goal against Everton to secure, to to celebrate the title would also be quite. Uh, Poetic, I suspect. Um, probably the game with the most riding on it for the weekend is Man City up against Arsenal at home. Um, it's it's almost a battle for that third position because you would suspect, or basically mathematically, if Arsenal win that game, uh, they've locked in third place, and City are really then 
in trouble for that fourth spot if um, if United can get that win against Norwich. Um, City at home, though, um, you'd think that now that they're out of the Champions League, they'll be quite focused on this game. Um, do we see City as getting the win, or do we think Arsenal probably has a bit too much for them? Um, I'll start with Jats. Yeah, I think this one has draw written all over it as well, to be honest. I think um, City have obviously been in some very average form, but Arsenal haven't been that much better, um, to say the truth. They, they scraped a win against Norwich, and they've had some pretty poor results before that. So, um, I mean, ordinarily, this is one of the biggest ties that you look for at the start of the season. And uh, you know, if you'd kind of known the circumstances they'd be playing this round in, you wouldn't have, would not have believed it at the start of the season. But um, I think... Well, I think 1-1. I think um, probably a Sanchez goal um, and then maybe an Iheanacho goal as well. He's been in pretty decent form for them. I mean, we talked about Mane in the Southampton City game, but obviously Iheanacho got two goals for City as well. And he's really had an underrated... I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about him now, but um, as far as his goal-scoring exploits this season, he's really been up there as one of the most most impressive players of the season. Um, so it's going to be really fascinating to see what they do for next season. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, you've still got Aguero there, and you, you don't really replace him, but uh, he could definitely play second in line. He's gone ahead of Bonnie for me easily, so oh, absolutely. They, they found a real beauty there. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the game, Friartuck? I agree full heartedly with the Ian Archer comments. He's a very he's a very underrated player there and I think he's I think he's got a pretty good future there in all honesty. I mean, I think I've heard some comparisons to Marcus Rashford and Rashford's getting the hype because you know United and all the goals, but Ian Archer's gone under the radar, especially with Aguero there, while Rashford's been leading the line with Marty L, so no, very underappreciated, absolutely fantastic talent and uh I think City should be pleased with what they have. But to the game itself it's a, again. This one's a very this one's a very interesting one because Arsenal probably Arsenal would want to finish ahead of Tottenham and uh, City wants to try uh, stave off United and keep that well keep keep that Champions League spot at the very least. So both sides still have a still have plenty to play for. But like Jack said, this this isn't this isn't going to be your your blockbuster game. This is this is kind of this is. This is more remnant of your. This is like West Brom and Watford, and all honesty. <laughs> this is what this is what this match is going to feel like. Is going to is going to play out like, in all honesty. I agree with the notion it is going to be a draw, but it's not going to be a pretty one. Arsenal. I, I, I don't. I, I, I hate to say it, but it's been typical Arsenal. I mean, ever since ever since that Leicester game, yeah, they've just hasn't exactly de- hasn't exactly delivered there and city yeah motivations are running a bit low there in all honesty but we'll see we'll we'll see what happens i think it's a draw probably the um the most significant of the midweek games is between united and west ham um assuming that west ham can get up over uh swansea who they're playing uh in the main set of games and united get up over norwich um, it makes for a very interesting um, fixture between those two sides because they're only one point apart on the table as it stands. Um, and if City if City slip up a little bit, it could really be a battle between United and West Ham for even maybe fourth spot. Um, so do you guys see... Uh, who do you guys see winning that one? I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it's West Ham's last game at Upton Park. Um, so there could be emotions running high for them in that one. Um, and, and maybe... Going on for the win. Um, I'll start with Friar Tuck. 
you took the words out of my mouth. I, <laughs> I feel like this is the last game, the last ever game at the bowling ground. You want to finish on a high. It's against Man United. The script, the script is all, the script is all there. And well, to add to that, they they could potentially fight for that, fight for that fourth spot, especially if they get the win against Swansea. So there's a there's a lot there's a lot on the line for this one, and uh, I think emotion I think emotions will run strong, and they're a lot more they're a lot more exciting and fun that West Ham team. So uh, I think they'll I think they'll do it three one against United. Uh, yeah, oh, I think West Ham. Um, and. I just want to touch on, they've had such an amazing season this year. Any other year, and they'd be kind of the, the talk of the town, obviously, apart from Leicester. But um, I think they really should be commended for what they've been able to achieve this season. It's been, they're a club on the rise for sure. They're moving into that Olympic Stadium. They've got the supporters already there, kind of snapping up tickets for it. They've got players like Pye. They've, they've kind of got young blokes coming through, like Creswell. And I, I'm really, I love watching West Ham at the moment. Um I think that they'll be emotionally charged enough to, to get the win here, uh, and I really hope they do. They, they definitely deserve it. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting set of fixtures. There's um, interest at both ends of the table. Um, just before we sign off on this main podcast, I wanted to get both of your thoughts on the um, the news that's come out this week in regards to the uh, coverage of the EPL for next season through Optus, um, and basically the fact that... Um, I think it's a $15 a month subscription. If you have a, an Optus contract worth $80 or more, then it's free. Um, but basically, they're suggesting that anyone that wants to, to watch the EPL and they aren't with Optus, they'll have to switch over to Optus on a locked-in 24-month contract, which I think ends up being over $2,000. Um, so it, it, how do you guys see the rights panning out next season? Do you think it's going to be a success for Optus? Do you think the backlash is going to force them to make changes? Um, and how does it impact on you personally? So I'll, I'll start with Jats on that one. I don't think it's a good business move. I, I'm myself from a personal point of view. I'm gutted because I'm I'm locked into a contract with Telstra for the next twelve months. So, um, and obviously Optus aren't going to want to pay out that contract. So it's not as though I've even got the choice to kind of move across to Optus, unless I want to buy a second phone, which I don't need, obviously. Um, so I think the way they've set it up is really disappointing. Uh, and I can't see them it's just not a very good business model I can't see them getting enough people across to make it actually worthwhile what they paid um, it was really telling when you could see the difference in the bids between Foxtel and Optus that they were so much further north than what they needed to be to even win the rights um, they were really desperate to get it but I'm, I'm just not sure they've done it right and it's I mean it's put a lot of people offside with them as well yeah, it seems an interesting one from a, uh, from even just a PR point of view because even if they do end up making their money back somehow, the perception of them as a company and the way they've gone about it is just such it's taken such a beating with this that um yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out because I just can't imagine them um, making making that money back because as has been pointed out I mean beyond even the amount that they've paid for the rights you think they'll have to pay for marketing and advertising they'll have to pay for um, commentators in in uh, pregame studios and that sort of thing. There's all these costs that aren't really being factored in that it, they're just going to make it even more expensive for them and even more difficult for them to actually turn a profit on something that takes place between about you know midnight and 5 a.m. So it's not exactly a prime time spot. Um, Friar Tuck, what's your take on it? 
If I recall correctly, I think I think the Premier League, the Premier League board themselves, should take some responsibility because uh, they usually. They, I don't think they really reviewed the tender properly. I mean, usually when you take an tender like this, you usually review the details and, and exactly how the product is actually going to be displayed. I mean, you've got to have some care for the product if you're well in the well in this case the Australian market. I mean. If it was any other sport, they would definitely take a look. Okay, you're paying us this much. How exactly are you going to distribute it? But with the EPL, it's just it's just a whole lot of money, in all honesty. So I think there's a bit of blame in just how the tendering process worked. But I think they're playing one game on SBS, if I recall correctly. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So I think I think there's some requirement that there's um, uh, broadcast on on a television network or, or or something like that, and I think yeah, they they might be getting around that with that game on SBS. Oh man, that is no, that that's just really unacceptable. I mean, the EPL the EPL is going to its biggest its biggest ever TV deal, a, a dawning of a new age, and uh, and we've taken se- several steps back with this new deal in Australia. That's 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 just really unacceptable. It was quite I mean, funny. I mean, after seeing all the details of this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, well, it was quite funny seeing a Middlesbrough fan on the board saying that after all of these years of trying to follow them in the um, championship with no coverage on Foxtel, um, as of next season, he'll have better coverage of them if they were still in the championship because um, Foxtel will have the championship. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Sorry, what were you, what were you saying? No, no, pretty much, pretty, well, pretty much along the line, pretty much along the lines, yeah, the, yeah, they'll get more coverage with the championship, Jesus. but no, that's just a very poor deal. I mean, especially with the uh, you said locked-in contracts. I mean, that's even that's even that's even worse than what I thought. And I heard they overbidded it like overbid like mad. So I don't see how they how they were going to win with this. It's it's just uh, yeah, it's just insane in all honesty. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to um, cross our fingers and hope something happens between now and the start of next season uh, to make it a bit easier to watch. But thank you both for coming on this main podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. And uh, we'll get you both to stick around to to chat all things Leicester. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, And right below this podcast, you'll also find uh, our special chat just about Leicester. Um, So be sure to tune in for that one as well, because I'm sure it'll be an absolute belter of a listen. So... Thanks for listening in, and until next time, we'll see you on the forums.